Write the world-changing book that will help grow your personal brand and your business as it makes the world a better place. Welcome to the Author's Corner, hosted by Robin Colucci. Every episode, we bring you some of the most successful authors, as well as other industry experts, to share some inspiration, motivation, tactical strategy, and fun. We'll also talk about the challenges and trends in the publishing industry. Don't get stuck in the idea phase. Join the Author's Corner today. Start writing the book you've dreamed about. Hello and welcome to the Author's Corner. I'm your host, Robin Colucci, and today I am delighted to share with you my guest, Lisa Danlachuk. Lisa is an author, a licensed psychotherapist, and founder of the Center for Yoga, Trauma, and Recovery. A graduate of UCLA and Harvard, her work has pioneered the field of trauma-informed yoga and transformed our understanding of embodiment practices and therapeutic work. More than 300 providers from over 25 countries have completed Lisa's Yoga for Trauma online training program. She's written for publications like Good Therapy and the American Psychological Association. And in 2016, she was named one of the top 20 international yoga teachers to follow. And her blog has also been recognized as a top 25 yoga blog. And the reason that the primary reason I wanted to have Lisa on today is I think she's such an incredibly successful example of how you can take your book. Lisa has authored three books, how you can take your book and use that as a tool to further your business, grow your business, propagate your mission in the world, and really make a broader impact, and in fact, change the world. And so what we're going to talk about today is Lisa will share about this process of how she took her incredibly innovative ideas in combination with her book, developed this wildly successful online training program where she's able to spread her methodology across continents and make a profound difference in literally thousands and thousands of lives. So if this is something you've contemplated at all as an author, which, and if you haven't, you should, (laughs) but this will be an invaluable episode for you to hear. So sit back, get yourself a cup of tea and tune in and listen closely. So Lisa, Welcome to the Author's Corner. Awesome. I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Robin. I'm so happy to have you with us today because as we have talked about a little bit in in our sort of pre-call here is, you know, there's this vital ecosystem that authors have the opportunity to create where you can make real money and also have a real impact in the world without necessarily having to be a New York Times bestseller, without necessarily having to sell 100,000 books none of, you know, or more. None of those are bad things. And maybe you've sold 100,000 books. But the point, is, <laughs> the point is, though, you can have a massive impact and you can have massive success by creating an ecosystem. And I think you're, what you have done is such a great example of doing that and doing it well. So let's start off by you just telling our listeners a little bit about 
your work and this ecosystem that you've created? Yeah, so I work in yoga and trauma recovery, those two worlds combined. So a lot of times people will talk about trauma-informed yoga. That's been gaining momentum and popularity over the last decade or so. There's also like yoga-informed therapy where therapists are wanting to move more. I mean, we've all been in Zoom land for a while while we're sitting. You can probably see I'm like at a standing desk. I've got like a treadmill and some tools over here. I'll dance around while we're talking because I learned, you know, we know this, the sitting is the new smoking thing, but I learned as a therapist, like it's just really hard on your body uh, to sit that long. So I work with yoga, yoga therapists, therapists, yoga teachers, mental health professionals. And I just, over the course of my life and studies and work developed this kind of body of knowledge, I would present at mental health conferences on yoga and trauma, you know, therapeutic yoga and yoga for trauma recovery. And I started doing it so much that I started writing in my planner or on files, just why 4T? Because I got tired of writing yoga for trauma. So now I have this online training program that's called Y4T. <laughs> I was like, well, that's what I call it when I write to myself. That's what I'll call it here. And I have a community. I think we're around 300 and something people representing probably 25 to 30 countries now. And it's a lot of people who, this is common, were kind of like me in the beginning, like doing this trauma-informed work, this yoga-informed therapy, and not really having a community, not really fully understanding the science, but having a really intuitive sense that it was strong. So so yeah, that presentation became a book, became an online training program. Um, actually, I think the online training program came first and then the book. And they pair so well together. And the, the purpose is just to support people. Yes. Yeah, so I want to actually, I'm glad I want to slow down here because I think this is, it can work either direction, right? You can, you can do the book first, you can do the course first, but I'd love for you to share with the readers. Like, so it's your recollection. You created the online course first. Well, I started writing, I wrote my, published my first book in 2015. So I have three books out. The first one came out in 2015, 2017, and the last one, 2019. The one that pairs with the course now is the 2019 because that's where I felt authors listening will get this. I felt the like, oh my God, the book finally came out of me when I finished the third one. The first one, I wasn't sad. I was like, oh, it's still in there. (laughs) Didn't, you know, let me write this one. Oh, it's still in there. Like those were their own thing. And I felt good about them, but I wasn't done. Right. Uh Because right now I'm not, I'm not writing. I'm not like an author. I don't consider myself a writer. I just had something that needed to get out. So Yes, the the course came first in 2015, and then I revamped it as I went, and then now it's paired with the third book. Well, this is a great insight, too, because what I'm getting out of what you're saying, and this really speaks to people who are maybe just starting a new venture and maybe thinking about, when do I do the book, right? Because what I'm hearing is you had four years of presenting this course with real people getting real feedback. Yes. And then it was that after that level of experience that you really felt you were able to write the, if you will, definitive book on the work. And probably 10 years of experience before that of t- teaching it to people Thank in you. yoga studios, yes. conferences. So there was like this evolution of the material t- until I had this presentation. And you know, every time you get excited, you have questions, you add more, you take things out, you refine, you research. And then it was like, I got to this point of like, I'm tired of repeating myself. Let me record this. Like, right. I've said this so many times and people are like, wow, that's so novel. And I'm like, no, I'm getting old. <laughs> so like, you know, 
we have to be invested in our own joy and follow what it, and what I was really feeling called. I was really, and again, I think people will get like resonate with this, just feeling that deep call to write. And I was just feeling that deep call to reach people beyond a therapy room, beyond a mental health conference, beyond a single yoga studio in one town, in one state, in one country, right? It's like, you feel that sort of bursting out, wanting to connect more and wanting to draw people together more. So see, this, this is, this speaks to one of the core principles in my own work, which is don't write the book to have a business, <laughs> you know, don't write the book as your first step when yeah. you're embarking on a new path on a new career, but really the book should be a result of your experience, a result of what you've learned. And, and it's interesting. You said 10 years, because in my mind, that's the minimum, right? Level of experience that someone should actually have in a field before they even think about writing a book. Yeah. Well, then you start to internalize the questions. Like, you know, and answer them preemptively and you're connecting more with I think where people are when they're when they're ingesting whatever you have to offer and I think when you just go at it I remember in the beginning I was like oh wait I gotta slow I gotta back it up like I'm assuming we all in this room are so familiar with the diagnosis of PTSD that we can recite it in our sleep like that's a (laughs) rare health conference where I can assume that even if I'm in a room with psychologists we'll be like yeah. How many diagnoses are there? And am I like, there's a book for a reason. There are websites where we go back and look, we don't just, and some brainiacs maybe have that photographic memory, but you know, most people need the like, okay, draw the picture for me. And, and then you start to have, Oh, these are the questions that come up and this is how people are feeling about this in different ways. And you can have it be more relational, even though it's a book. Right? <laughs> no, but- and it's actually almost, almost, uh, I would even say, especially because it's a book, right? Because I think people tend to underestimate the level of intimacy that's available when you're writing. If you write one-on-one to your reader, if you think of, instead of writing like to readers out there, but you said something really important, which is, and this, this ties to that intimacy as well, is that you get to know what kinds of questions they have in their mind which enables you as an author to, to answer those questions in the book, yeah. giving the reader the experience of, oh my God, she knows me. She's in my head. She, she knows what I'm experiencing. Yeah. But it's this law of averages of like, you've taught it to enough people, you get enough of the same questions. I mean, maybe say a little bit more about that because I think this is such an important point when you're building an ecosystem and, and writing a book. I'm just thinking of how it's amazing too, because sometimes you start to think, oh, well, that's that's an old question. And I was just in a group doing a group coaching call with some of my students yesterday. And it's like the same question around, well, if I call it yoga, then the students I'm working with, the kids or the adults or the whatever group, they get either scared by it, intimidated by it. They have preconceptions. They don't want to do it. But if I call it movement right? So there are these themes or religion still. I mean, I remember this t- literally 20 years ago, teaching in juvenile hall and having kids, like their parents would say they can't do the yoga program for religious reasons. <laughs> they were, we would have to respect it because like, okay. And still, right. Maybe not so much, probably still in the San Francisco Bay area, but plenty of places around the world. Well, there's this conflict where people think yoga is religious and what, how do I address that? So some of these things are so enduring, right? And when we can 
fold them in and address them. And I was like, Oh, I had to, do I, do I speak to that? Like, am I speaking to that enough still? <laughs> like it's, <laughs> I don't, I don't, it's not an issue in my life right now, but I'm surrounded by like trauma therapists and like, you know, progressive charter schools. <laughs> right. I was going to say, I can imagine for school counselors, it's got to be a real land, you know, field of minds to, to navigate. And, but you know, it's so true too, because to your reader, this is a new question, right? Yes. To your reader, you're getting new information. So all their questions are new. Yeah. You as the author, one of the dangers, especially when you actually have experience and something you, you also alluded to is assuming that they know things that they don't and meeting them a little too far down the road. When was the first time you noticed that you were doing that? And how did you deal with that? I always think about trying to like, it's easier for me to teach people in person because you can be super interactive and responsive. Even in a call like this, we could say, oh, are you aware of this? Yeah, no, raise your hand, right? If you can see people, you can kind of get a sense. But when you're writing a book, you might really have a clear picture of your audience. You might be thinking of people that you're writing this for, but you're not getting that feedback. So I'm trying to think the first time I, I felt that way, nothing's really coming to mind. It's more... It's, I'm thinking more of the times where it's really natural for me. Like I'm a, I'm a relational therapist person. Like let's sit down and have a cup of tea and talk about everything. Right. And it's so nice to be able to have that flow back and forth with people and to get when like, they're kind of looking at you like this, like tilting their right. head and squinting their eyes and like, what? Is <laughs> You're like, okay, few steps. <laughs> or they're getting like really excited. Right. And you can yeah. Feel- So the big transition that stands out for me, honestly, and and this is super relevant today, is the transition from seeing your audience to not seeing your audience. I think that's huge for someone. You're writing a book, you're maybe not in a coffee shop these days, but you're at your computer, you're you're usually alone, right? And, And you have to kind of have internalized or imagined or connected with that person in order to keep that alive. And so I think there's two ends of the spectrum here. There's like, let's not go straight to, you know, after 10 or 20 years of experience, your most intricate reflections on this, because people are going to be like, wait, I'm not with you, but also not sort of belaboring things that, I don't know, sort of delay getting to the point, I guess I want to say, like (laughs) referencing like, oh, hey, if this is a new concept, here's a resource, I think is a, a lot more helpful than like totally like, so, so I feel like there's a balance in between where you're giving people what you need. And if you know you have a range of readers, like I know I do, like people will pick up my book who are like, I've been through trauma. I want to know about yoga for trauma recovery. People will pick it up who are like, I'm a psychologist with 30 years of practice and I've been practicing yoga since I was six. And I want to know what you think about yoga for trauma recovery. Right. And so when you're, when you're doing something that might be review for someone else, throwing mm-hmm. in personal examples of what went well, what didn't go well, like they're going to relate more to that. And that's going to teach a new person, give them examples. Right. I mean, we always talk about telling stories and that's really valuable. Also, if you are like introducing a a concept, like finding a way to express it through your own voice and finding a way to speak to those two, like those, those ends of the audience at the same time, that can be a challenge, but I think it can also be done if you're if you're aware of that while you're, you know, maybe while you're writing or while you're editing or while you're going through that process of writing a book. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and something else I got out of what you're saying that re- is, is like, it's that balance between making sure that everything's clear to your reader, 
and at the same time respecting their intelligence, right? Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> not uh, treating them like they can't make any inferences or something, you know, like because there are, you know, there are certain mental leaps that they are capable of making, but it does take some practice. And I think you're right also, like when you're teaching people in person, even if it's on Zoom, if you can see their faces. You can tell, and this is something I actually recommend in my book. I'm like, go teach your material. Even if you're not doing it before you're writing it, do it while you're writing the book. Because you can get that live, on the ground, in the moment reaction. If you hear yourself say something a certain way and everybody in the room, you just like, you can just see the lights go on. You know, you want to make a note of how did I say that? And the opposite, right? If, if, if they start getting distracted or confu- you know, they give you that, that, that confused puppy look, <laughs> like, like my pug does every time I'm doing anything other than playing with her or, fe- or feeding her, you know, it's kind of like, what, what's happening now? <laughs> right? Where's dad on board? Why, are we, why aren't we doing something entertaining? Look? <laughs> that one a lot from mine. <laughs> right. So, so being able to use the, the, the writing process even like, or, you know, to use when you're doing live teaching to inform your writing mm-hmm. is a really powerful thing to be able to do. And I think that carries through in a book. And then if you do have some sort of website or online program or something, there's, there's almost like a presence that's then infused. It's, it's not just you in your head thinking about something. There's there's like a community represented in your work. And I just feel like that makes it more powerful because then we're thinking, we end up thinking about things we wouldn't have thought of on our own. So we think the more you can expose yourself into diverse opinions and reactions, the more you kind of clarify and just, it becomes more powerful. Yeah. And I, I especially want our listeners who are, who are wondering about, you know, is it okay to teach the material in my book before my book is out, right? The, like the, the people who are afraid that if the material's out there that someone might steal it or, you know, it would seem old hat by the time the book is out. What I really want to be a takeaway here is that the opposite is true, right? Like the, you really, you do want to be teaching it. You want there to be some buzz. You want there to be some community around this information. It's not going to make people want your book less. It's going to make them want your book more. Yeah. You know, just as a little side note. So I'm curious, because I know you were teaching this for a number of years in yoga studios and, you know, other places, conferences. At what point did you decide to create a certification? I would say it was an evolution. You know, first it was creating the presentation and applying to present at yoga conferences or mental health conferences. And then, oh, now I'm presenting at conferences and now I'm doing these workshops. And and refining the material the whole time. And then I just started getting this like itch, just like the book. It's very nonverbal. It's very like somatic for me. Like, oh, I want to put this online. Oh, I want to put this online. And at the time there was nothing online on yoga for trauma recovery and in bringing yoga and trauma together in terms of online training programs. So it was just one of those like projects bubbling up that for whatever reason I felt really drawn to. And so what I ended up doing was just scheduling the first one live recording everything. And then I kind of got more into the like production mode where you actually record things. And I'm going to keep doing that, you know, revamping and updating it as we go. But the certification came. So I have an eight week program, you get a certificate of completion for that. And then I also have an advanced training program 
that's usually around nine months and people can teach and get a, a provider certification uh-huh. through the Center for Yoga and Trauma Recovery. So there's that first step that tells other people, I've studied trauma-informed yoga. I know what I know what I'm doing. I also, most people usually also have some, you know, yoga teacher training, 200, 500 hour, you know, LCSW, social worker, mental health professional. There's also folks who are like Reiki masters or nutritionists or whatever who, who join this training program. So the certification is meant to communicate, like I have experience in this. And it's funny because with trauma, it's like starting to get into graduate programs more, but it's something that even the stuff that I teach, I learned in advanced trainings out there. I learned in, in books and in experience. I didn't, I didn't get taught much about trauma at UCLA. I didn't, I got taught about trauma indirectly at Harvard, but not like we're going to dive in. I went back to guest lecture and one of my professors was like, oh my God, you just blew my mind. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess we didn't really talk about it this way here, did we? And she was like, oh my God, I'm going to use this. I was like, please. Like, oh, please. That must have been a moment of... Uh, <laughs> right? I love her so much. That was like, I mean, we got to really, I got still let yeah. that in, right? Like, oh, right. Wow. Yeah. Dr. Kim, yeah. she's my favorite. So I feel like it was an evolution is the answer to your question. And it was responding to a need because there's, there's a need for people to, people might be certified in yoga. They might have a a doctorate in psychology, but they might not have even had a single class on trauma. And and that's real, like even to this day. And I know there are, there are more trauma programs now. So people might have a certificate in trauma or something, but it takes that going out and pursuing training in trauma. And to me, it's just like relevant to everything and everyone. And so we, we need to have this awareness, but we need to have a way to communicate. Hey, I know some things. This is something I've studied. Um, and so that's why I developed the certification program. You know, it's like, I, I wish it was, I would be part of like a yoga for trauma master's program at some university, but like that doesn't exist either. So it was kind of like my way to create my own little course and validation of that and way to communicate that out into, you know, people we're partnering with. That's awesome. And then, and then this next level of like training other people to teach it. Uh, say a little bit more about that. Like it, it, how, how long had you been teaching it just directly to providers, you know, just to, that they could use it in their own practice. And, it, and what was the point and what was that, what was going on that showed you that you needed to take it to that next level? Yeah. So I saw a need after the eight week program for, mentorship. I know a lot of people who've done, and I started doing it in 2017. So two years after um, the, the training program started online, I saw people like, I want to, I want to create a yoga series for sexual assault survivors, which is a specific form of trauma-informed yoga. Right. And I want help, not just maybe creating the curriculum and having someone look over it and seeing like, are there red flags here? What would you suggest? There's like that kind of um, almost like consultation and member and mentorship, but there's also, you know, as we know, starting a business, doing something on your own, like <laughs> it's going to bring up all your stuff. And if you have someone there with you, who's like, now, now this is how it is. Welcome. <laughs> right. Like I'm here. I've got you. And I've been through I that. Bet you <laughs> thought you were just going to get to help people. Well, let me oh, tell wow. you, <laughs> there's a few other things you have to do also. 
have a seat on the couch, right? It's like, oh, man, oh, man why does this have to be so hard? Right? Like, here's a pillow. <laughs> and a stuffed animal and like <laughs> ice cream bar or something. Like, here, let's nourish you. So I developed the advanced training to, to give that love and support and create a place where people could grow and become bigger leaders because most of these people are already leaders in their community who are doing the program, whether they identify or think that way or not. And they're like, I'm the only one. I'm like, oh, so you're a leader. <laughs> um, and so what happened with the first program, I mean, it's such an opportunity to create community. And again, this is something I didn't really have. I felt like the weird person or I'd find one or two other people or eventually a nonprofit that was doing something similar to what I was interested in. But but I want to really draw out to people who do feel alone that like this is happening all over the world right now. I have a student in the Philippines and Mexico. We have people in South America, like all over, <laughs> like it's happening. And so we don't need to feel alone and not just not feeling alone, but actually having those connections with other, not, not just support for me, but connections with other people who are doing it. Then you have someone, you can be like, let me text you. And what do you think about this? Hey, let me show you what I'm, then you have those relationships and those peers, colleagues, friends that can support you in being in kind of an, I think it's still a relatively new kind of industry, right? Like, again, there's not yeah. any trauma-informed yoga bachelor's or master's programs. Like you really have to still piecemeal it together. It's, it's a, there are some like yoga therapy things, but even that often it's physical therapy. Right. Um, not so much right. mental, emotional or trauma responsive stuff. So the advanced training was like, let's get in there and let's like get to know each other. And I'm here to support you. And, and it, you know, as you know, if you have that support, something that might take you a year or two eventually get to or figure out can take you like a week, yeah. right? Because someone is there to give you a resource or just even validate how you're feeling or give you the accountability. So, mm -hmm. so that's what the advanced training program is about. And, and to continue to, I think, know that we're always advancing our own education in these areas, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so much more information coming in. So it's not like we do eight weeks and we're done. It's not like we do anything and we're done <laughs> until we die. That they do the training and then they're, they're, they're actually able to teach others to do this, this kind of yoga traumatic, traumatic recovery. Yeah. Yoga. And what you're saying, you know, it's interesting because most everyone that's been through the online or everyone that's been through the advanced training program so far has with the exception of a few people this year and last year have gone to create like a very specific program mm. that, you know, like I'm working with cancer survivors or I'm working with singers or I'm working with sexual assault survivors and they've made something specific and responsive. Kind of like we were talking about with the book, like yoga and trauma recovery, we have to be responsive to the population. So they've honed it. They're not yeah, not copying me, right? No, sure. They're being themselves, but there is now more of a call for this. Like, can I, can I teach exactly what you're doing? So I'm actually sort of trying to formulate what would that look like right now? Uh, because this, everything I'm teaching is very personal. It's got all the community input, but it's very personal to me and my life and the way that I think and have experienced the world. So it's kind of like, do I want you to do that? Or do I want to really like support you and you know, bringing your, your flavor to it and, 
Yeah, I mean, what, what I loved, what I love about hearing that, you know, even like yoga trauma recovery for singers, I mean, you know, what I love about is like this way by teaching other people how to teach this, you are able to serve communities that you never would have tapped. Yeah. Because what singer would think to come to you, right? Yeah. But obviously this person... Yes. has a network yes. that they see a need. Mm -hmm. And I love that idea of, because it really makes it like these tendrils that can go out, you know, into these parts of the wilderness that you would never even imagine that you would try to reach and Absolutely. reach people that would never have found you. I, I think that, that I can see why you'd be hesitant really to, because, you know, but I mean, I, I guess on the other hand, no one is ever going to do it exactly like you, even if they think they are. <laughs> right. And it's just a different, it's just a different way of training. Like I've always yeah. really focused on like people like, tell me what to do. And I'm like, well, what do you want? Right. This is like, right. therapist yeah. like, give me a prescription. And you're like, well, what's going on? Like, <laughs> you have to really dig first. And so I think that's like my inclination and tendency is to like, let's like, let's figure out, you know, who you want to serve and how you want to do it. And you know, we call it trauma-informed yoga, but I think it's really human-informed yoga. And like once someone learns these principles and like understands trauma to a degree, they're like, oh, it's everywhere. Like it's everywhere. And, you know, one of my students was just saying the other day, oh, I have so much more compassion for these people in my life who will trigger me or will like be frustrating because I'm like, oh, they're really struggling. Oh, their window of tolerance is very narrow right now. <laughs> you know, like you have... <laughs> right. All of a sudden, it's like, uh, after actually the first training in 2015, Maria, one of the students was like, she posted something on social media. It was like, when you know too much psychology to be pissed at people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm that's, sorry. You're going that's through Right. <laughs> oh, too bad. You don't get to have self-righteous anger anymore. <laughs> right. I'm so confused. Like, air out of the tire. Like, well, I guess I'll just be compassionate now. <laughs> But I think it applies to so many different groups, like you said, singers, and even people who are like, not, especially right now, right, people who aren't identifying as going through trauma, it's like, well, you know, when you move through a global pandemic, that's a year plus going, yeah, there's, there's some threat to life. And there's some, <laughs> might be some symptoms there. And we don't have to diagnose it or call it PTSD. But when you learn about trauma, you go, Oh, wow, this is just how our bodies respond to stress and respond to threat. And then all these other things start to, to fall into place and make sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you this, because it's just occurring to me. So wait, since you're offering these training and certifications, have you also, I know what some, some people have also done is like connected to organizations like the American Psychiatric Association or IDEA for fitness trainers or, you know, or so yoga certification program. Have you... Have you partnered with any of these kinds of organizations so that your course provides those continuing ed credits or is mm -hmm. that something you tell us a little bit about that? Cause I think that that's also an opportunity for a lot of authors that maybe they feel a little intimidated about thinking about or pursuing. Definitely. Yeah. So for this training, I'm connected with yoga Alliance. So people get continuing education. Uh, yoga teachers can get continuing ed for their recertification also um, have continuing education for mental health providers in the U.S., not further than that right now, but for yoga teachers, U.S. and Canada, and for a lot of folks internationally, 
they'll get like reciprocal there's yoga alliances kind of mm. all over right so they'll get a, a reciprocal sort of acknowledgement if they submit it so i think partnering with yoga alliance partnering actually for the continuing education credits i just got a referral from i'm part of an organization called the it's ISSTD, the International Society for the Study of Trauma and Dissociation. And so I've been involved with them for, you know, probably 20 years now too. And they have continuing education credits. So it's just, how do I do that? <laughs> so I was really lucky that I could reach That's out to awesome. them. Yeah. And you can, you know, submit to like each individual sort of, okay, this is for psychologists and this is for social workers and this is for this state and this is for that state. Or you can find companies that help with that. So, so I work with one that sort of helps. And there's always something changing, like, oh, Texas isn't allowing this anymore. And so it is definitely like, it's not like, oh, yay. <laughs> I'm going to do such a service to people to, to offer that. And I find that, yeah, you know, if, you, if you're studying something, you want to kind of have that credit too, right? So I think it's, I think it's a great thing to do. And if you're not sure who that is, that would, that would offer it just, you know, online research will give you something. Yeah. And it sounds like though, it is something else to manage. So maybe it's not the first thing you try to do, right? Like you, sounds like you had some good momentum before you, is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah, I did. And I also had people starting to ask for it. I right. didn't, you know, and I revamped my material. And when I went for, for certification for the continuing educations, I just submit all the material. Like they have to know, well, what are you teaching? And so I think having some experience under your belt, mm-hmm. having, you know, worked through your material, there's also a whole process. And I'm super familiar with this because I was mentioning like applying to mental health conferences and submitting a proposal. There's like very specific language around it. So depending on your industry, whether it's like medical or therapy or whatever else, there's going to be you know, ways you have to sort of phrase your continuing education objectives, right? Like there's like a whole almost language to it. So that was very familiar to me at the time that I submitted the continuing education. So that made it a little bit more palatable. Yeah. And you have to say like what, what they're going to learn, right? Like what competencies they would have and how you're going to verify those competencies. And, you know, there's, there's all, there's all kinds of things. Yeah. <laughs> you got to use certain, like, you can't just be like, learn, no, learn, no. You got to like investigate and, <laughs> and talk about what they walk away with. Right. Not just what you're saying. So yeah, yeah exactly. Like exactly. Part to that. That'd be a good, like extra workshop for writers. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, How to turn your book into an accredited course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to write it, but you can. <laughs> <laughs> somebody's doing it somebody's doing I can it. I can barely fill out any forms it's just not <laughs> for a writer I'm very bad at filling out forms <laughs> same information again like even when my phone won't auto populate I'm like oh <laughs> write my name again oh. I'm like or you're like you, you know I'm like, come on. It's obvious what I'm typing. Fill it in. <laughs> yeah. Don't give a creative person a form <laughs> to fill out. <laughs> Way too in the box. Way too in the box. <laughs> Way too in the box. Exactly. <laughs> Can I hire someone to do this for me? I know. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. 
Well, yeah, this is so helpful. And I love how, you know, you're showing our listeners, you know, not just because I mean, I've talked a lot, I've written a lot about, you know, look, your book isn't your book isn't the main thing, your book is a tool to advance the main thing, you know, the main thing has to be this core mission that you're on this core, you know, business that is furthering something you want to change in the world, and you know, a result that you want to create in the world. And you've got to not look at the book as like the end all be all. And, you know, Lisa, you are such a great living demonstration of what this looks like and, you know, have been so generous in sharing with us your journey to how this unfolded for you. I guess the the main question I have left then is what's next for Lisa? Hmm. A lot of downtime sounds nice. (laughs) You know, I've, People ask me a lot if I'm writing and, you know, oh, what are you writing next? Because they just got in this habit of seeing me like publish a new book every two years. And then I was like, no, I'm good. And at the end of, uh, like I said, I really viscerally had this feeling. And I hope, I don't know if you felt this, but I hope people, hope people feel this because it was so good. I was writing the last chapter and I was in a cafe across the street from my office. And I felt this like energy swelling up through my body. Like it was like pouring out. It felt like a, like an energetic birth. But instead of like going down and out, it was like coming up and out. And then I just got so happy. I was like crying in the coffee shop. Like, oh my God, it's happening. It's finally coming out. It's finally like that last little push and that last little finish. So I really felt complete for now with that. I might do a second edition of this book because again, there's always new information coming. There's always new ways to things to change, update. And I kind of joked at the end, but this is true. I think like if I, if I write something else next, it's probably going to be like a poetry book with no form, like no format, not even at first I was like, I'll just write haiku. And I'm like, no, that's too restrictive. Like just (laughs) modern dance style poetry or like a children's book or something. Cause I just, I just feel like that I'll probably write more, but not right now. So yeah, right now I'm more thinking about just quality of life. How can I continue to expand the support I'm offering people in my online training program and the advanced training program? And, you know, you probably feel this too. At a certain point, it's, you're in this place of like building something, creating something, growing something. And then you also have to prune, like consistently clip things away. So I feel like after the third book, there was so much stuff going on in my life too, that I was just like, just need a little space. So I took a little space. I feel like I'm just doing this pruning process more, even with the online training and the advanced training program. It's like, how do I make it better? And it's always like that depth mm-hmm. that, you know, yeah, I want to reach a lot of people, but I want to do it in this way where there's, there's depth and quality to it. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't just want to like, pop off this here and that there. So, you know, and I'm in my forties now. So I'm like in this place of, okay, well, what's really worth my time? What, you know, don't feel so much of that. Like, Oh, I got to get this done and I got to move and I got to do this. It's more like, how do I focus this and try to like leverage might be the wrong word, but it's like leverage what I do have to make the biggest impact really. Absolutely. So that there's some legacy from it. It's not just like, oh, I made some stuff and there's, there's impact. Right. So I think that's where I am right now is, is just giving myself 
space and pruning things and, and still learning a ton just about business and all that and still growing in a lot of ways, but also trying to just be really intentional about that so that, so that I feel good about what I'm doing. And so that it's hopefully received in a way that makes um, the impact I'm hoping, or even a better impact than I'm hoping would be great too. Yeah, I could so much relate to things you were saying, because I wrote my book in 2013. And every year I ask myself, you know, should I even do a new edition? <laughs> like, no, I think enough of it still holds up that <laughs> yeah. I don't really see the need to, you know, because I know what it would take, right, to, to take yeah. myself off the court enough to get that done. Yeah. And I think that that is something. And I was pregnant with that book for over a decade, probably 15 years or so or more. It gets uncomfortable at the end. And you're like, no. And, you know. well, and, and then it's like, okay, well, this is what I have to say about this, you know, about this particular thing. Yeah. And, uh, and that, and I think that that is also a great lesson too for our listeners, right? Because when you're writing a, a nonfiction big idea book, which is really what we're talking about here, you know, it's a big idea that's probably been gestating for a number of years. And so you don't need to write a book a year. If you've put the thought into it, if you've written with depth, if you've written not just de with a depth of understanding of your own knowledge, but a depth of understanding of your reader mm -hmm. and what, what they're dealing with and how you can help them, then you you don't need to write a lot of books yeah. because you've come from a place of such deep understanding that your book will hold up over time. Yeah. And if you're an expert and writing isn't your primary career, I think that's a, a great place to be. <laughs> you know, <laughs> You're not trying to be a professional writer. You're trying to be a professional who's making a difference in this particular way so yeah isn't it wonderful that you've written the book that is still holding up you know for the last two years and I would predict you know for the next several years after yeah. that your book will stand the, the test of time and still be a great resource absolutely and there are I mean some books I'm even thinking of theories I reference in the book that you know, date back to like 1999, that then the new edition just came out, you know, it's like that book <laughs> that influenced this book. And so I think when we go deep, there's, there is, you know, there are some industries absolutely where it's like update, 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 like tech or something. Tech, yeah, tech. Yeah, you like write something about how to build an app in, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. 2016. It's like- Tech, I don't think you can keep, have a current book like by the time the so ink is dry, it's going to be out of date. Yeah, so that's a whole different, yeah. Right. <laughs> I know people who write that way, though. I know people who are like, this book's done. I have more ideas. I'll put them in the next book. And they just sort of iterate. And they're maybe circling around the same topics like business or economics or whatever their, their thing is. And they're really okay with like, let me just say what's on my mind now. Let me say what's on my mind now. Let me say what's on my mind now. And then everything will have its own theme or structure. But yeah, it's interesting too, just to think about how for authors, we have different 
holes. We have, you know, some of us have one book baby, some of us have triplets or twins, you know, and, and some of us are just writers and we love to write and we want to see that writing out in the world. And we wake up every like ideal day is wake up with your coffee and no one bothers you. And you're on the computer, like all morning and then you go out for a walk by yourself. And like, for me, I feel like the computer sucks life out of me. <laughs> so I was having a hard time as much as I wanted to write. I was like my brother, he's a computer programmer. He got all this sit in front of the computer jeans. I got all this sit in front of people's faces jeans. <laughs> it's hard. I had to be like, oh, right. And so <laughs> your personality and, and what, where that thing is coming from. It's yeah, what, feeds you, right? what feeds your soul? Like, does it, does it feed you to sit alone in a room and write? Or does it feed you to be in front of a group and teach? And because you really get to, you can, you can do either, you can have either focus and still be a successful author. And, you know, if we have one takeaway for today, in my point of view, it's that you can create a successful, fulfilling career that includes authorship. Mm -hmm. And, but look how little of it has to do with the ego things that people associate with authorship, right? I mean, we haven't talked once about number one Amazon bestseller or, you know, any of those things that that I think sometimes people use as a substitute for the depth, you know, not to say that you can't have both. You yeah, can. You can. But, but to really, you know, what we're talking about here is your desire to make a difference, your desire to have a piece of your legacy be contributing to the healing on this, on this planet yeah. and using the tools at your disposal, do so. And one of those tools happens to be a book. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I love, you know, some of the people who, who I get mentorship from who mentor me will say like, do you, do you want a bestseller book? Like, is that something you want? It's like not, it's never been like the book has came straight from me. I've never, I've never wanted that. Right. And I mean, they actually said this to someone else, even I wasn't even asking about it, but like, sometimes we get really narrow in what our definition of success is. And it's easy to get pulled into that. But I mean, there are plenty of New York times bestsellers that I've read that I can't even tell you the title of the author anymore. And that's not a knock to the book. I probably enjoyed it. I probably referred it to people. I probably gave it away when I was done to my mom or a friend. And it was a great like experience of my life. But books can serve a lot of different purposes. So do you want something light that someone's going to laugh at during the summer? Do you want something that people are going to go, oh, this is like, I think when people read my book, they laugh, I tell them, like, put it down for a minute and go move because this is a lot. Like we're talking yeah. about trauma. We're talking about like the deepest, most challenging and painful moments of human life. Like go out there and look at some butterflies for a minute. <laughs> there are books that feel like going and looking at butterflies for a minute. So there's just like different, different impacts and different ways you can meet people. And, and I agree wholeheartedly, Robin, that like, it, I, I see when people want to write that they want like that recognition or they think like, then I'm going to write a book and I'm going to be rich. And you're like, even if you get a great advance, like, well, then you got to write it and you got to live while you're writing the book. And like, there's, there's a lot of sort of mythology, I think, around it that I'm glad you're working to dispel and to get people to think more about their investment in like how they're bringing all of their work to the world. And then that really overarching goal, too, of like, what are you trying to make an impact in? How are you trying to make people feel? Yeah. All of those are great questions. Yeah.
so much. Yes. Well, Lisa, this has been such a delight. I have so enjoyed uh, having this conversation with you. And again, thank you so much for being so transparent and sharing, you know, your journey of, of creating this wonderful, sustainable ecosystem for your business with your book and your books and really profoundly helping so many people uh, around this world. Thank you so much. Thanks, Robin. I love it. It's fun to be here. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Author's Corner. You're one step closer to writing the world-changing book you've dreamed about for years. To access today's show notes and other helpful resources, simply visit our website at theauthorscorner.com. A positive review would be appreciated. Until next time.